Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Drew Brown III. This is the Wingman Show, a show that hopes to inform, entertain, and inspire all of us to grow every day and be happy. With me is my main man, my wingman, Dr. Paul Thompson, Navy jet pilot, father, husband, great man, great wingman, airline pilot, and a doctor. Dr. Paul Thompson, how are you? Welcome to the Wingman Show. Doing pretty good, Mr. Drew. This is Drew Brown, Dark Gable, the American Dream, the man, the myth, the legend. He's a pilot's pilot, the role model's role model, and his royal fullness. I'm doing very well. How are you today? I'm doing great. We got a good show for you today. Paul, we're going to start off right away with this topic. Po, 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 po. Talking about the po, po, police, the police problem in this country. What has happened lately? Um, a long time ago, my dad told me that they should change the name of all police officers to peace officers. And I won't ever forget that. It's amazing to be a black man and have a cop's blue lights come on behind you. There is a certain feeling, even if you're completely legal. Um, I've always thought that um, if a man has a gun, handcuffs and the ability to ruin your life, the best thing you should do is be very respectful just to try to get away from this situation. So um, I've never really had a problem with cops because I give people respect. And I also haven't probably run into one of those punk ass cops who take advantage of people. So I've been blessed that way. But there is a way to change this, this police problem, Paul. You see, policemen all have records. And even though they don't get in trouble for these records. Every time somebody complains, every time they do something wrong, the system, they write them up. So they all have files. So if you want to get rid of the bad cops, pretty simple. Go in the files, read them, and fire them. When a cop does approach me, I promise you, like I said, I'm respectful. I'm also not doing anything wrong, so I'm not scared. And that's a big one, you know. Uh, I remember when I was doing a little something wrong, it's 10 times worse. And even if if it was a fire truck, an ambulance, your heart goes right through your mouth. So, Dr. Paul, what do you think about the pow pow? Because there are great policemen, great, great, great yeah, policemen. I mean, and we have been inflicted with some of the worst that really puts a stain on the rest, rest of them. Because policemen, um, all the ones that I've really come into contact that needed to help, helped and did very good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've known a number of, of policemen who are great people, and folks have helped me. Little things on the road here and there. Never had a bad interaction. Maybe one long time ago, uh, actually in Queens of all places. But uh, that was a weird thing. You run to you know you can run to a knucklehead anywhere, you know, even at, at your job working. Uh, never had any real traffic problems. I remember one time I got pulled over in. Uh, in Florida, this is probably like 1978, 79, and I was speeding or whatever. And true enough, you know, my speedometer, it wasn't exact. It was kind of going like left and right. And I just kind of <laughs> took, you know, it was making a noise. I didn't do anything. I kind of took the average <laughs> of where it was, you know, and I've been doing that. I was on the Florida highway. Now, state patrol officer pulled me over. He said, hey, you going such such? I said, okay. I said, I got a bad speedometer. You know, you know what he did? He said, uh, he said, I'm going to give you a ticket, but here's what I suggest you do. 
and he gave me the name of a place that, that specialized in repairing speedometers on an old Chevy. Mm-hmm. And I went there. He said, you know, if you take that to the judge, they may give you a, you know, cut your break or whatever. He's very, very professional, very cool. So like at night between Daytona Beach and Jacksonville, you know, I did that, and I got it fixed. It was, I don't know, $75 or whatever. And I took that into the court, and it helped. And he said, okay, you, okay, blah, 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 I'm waving this, waving that, since you paid for it, but you still got to go to driving school uh, for two weeks or something like that. True enough, I'll be on maybe the statute of limitations. Right? I never went to the driving school. I was about to go out on cruise. That's that was my driving schools in the Mediterranean. Yeah, driving driving A sevens across the enemy lines. That's what you were driving. That's right, exactly. So I was low on my priority list, but I did get it fixed, and uh, he did waive the fine. And it was good advice. And a few other times, I've had like little tickets and things like that, but nothing, nothing dramatic. Uh, I maybe have one other fr- one friend that had you know maybe a a bad experience here and there. Again, I don't know any criminals. I don't hang out with criminals. That has seemed to have a lot to do with it. <laughs> it, it, it. It helps if you're not, I think it helps a lot if you're not a criminal. Like I went out yesterday and I bought some stuff and I made it back. Now one time, digressing slightly, uh, Best Buy in the parking lot of Best Buy, I met a friend, an old college friend of mine and we were out there talking and all of a sudden, the police came up, and they were just observing us. I guess they thought a drug deal was going down. It, it kind of looked that way. <laughs> I was just talking, just shooting the breeze, and looking at the guy. And, and uh, you know, uh, they left, and they, they just kept looking, looking, looking till we left. Yeah, me and Carl Matthews, the drug dealers, that's, that's something. And, but but you I know, bet you if you were doing something wrong, you would have acted different, and I bet you they were trained to see that. Probably so. Like, what are these guys doing here? Uh-oh, here they are kind of things. Like, yeah, say, okay, how are you doing? You know, what's happening? No, no no other interactions. But again, you know, to, to not excuse bad behavior, but sometimes, you know, they're on edge too. I remember one time uh, about a year after that being in uh, Panda Express with my wife, and we were getting some <laughs> stuff to go, just to go. And I see these two, two guys come in, and one guy I recognize. And I say, hey, you know, how you doing? And they both look at me, and uh, they both they both go like this. They're like shocked, like oh. And I and I knew what was happening in the head because these were people who were going to the same little martial arts school that I was going to, and we were actually doing some stuff, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago. They come in now and then, very pleasant guys. But he says, and I said, well, okay, and I knew what was happening, and I said, well, how's uh, how's Steve doing? And Steve was the owner of the place. And they kind of recalibrated their brains. Said, oh, yeah, 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 you're such and such. And, such. and they looked at each other and said, yeah, we knew we knew you from – they were detectives. And, and we, knew we, we knew you from someplace. And they were worried about someone coming, recognizing them and coming at them. <laughs> you know? Right, right. It was a true story. Yeah, me and Kim. Me and Kim kind of spooked these two detectives. So, wow. Uh, that's a true story. That's a very true story. I got one for you from the Atlanta airport. Um, you know, the Atlanta airport is crazy yes, and the cops there, you know, they're not, and I don't want to say anything bad, but usually the, the, usually the police that are assigned to airports are on the lower level of street duties. I'm just explaining. I heard that, I heard that from two sources. A policeman one, has one, told one, me that one was a federal officer. One was a SWAT guy said just what you said separately. Yes. They don't know each other. 
I think that'd be the best place. And that's just the truth. So anyway, um, I was waiting on Katrina's mom, who's kind of handicapped, and I parked in a spot uh, that I saw other cars parked in. Long story short, this idiot came over and gave me a ticket while I was sitting in the car. I don't doubt it. And him and I'm explaining to him, and he's just being an a-hole. But remember what I said earlier in the show, Paul? Right. You got a gun, you got handcuffs, right. and the ability to ruin my life. Yeah, you have okay? advantage. So, yeah, advantage. yes, you always win. I'm just letting you know. I do critical thinking, Paul. I don't understand this. I don't want to get shot. I don't want to get beat up. I don't want to be handcuffed. I don't want to get put in jail. Whether I'm right or wrong, I don't want any of those four things to happen to me. Now, let me ask okay, you a question. So, now, what, what year was this approximately? Uh, maybe three years ago. Oh, okay. That's pretty recent. Okay. They got better. Yeah, yeah, they got yeah. Better. They got better. Yeah. So anyway, he gives me this ticket. So because my daughter works for the largest law firm in the world, and I think that I helped her become an attorney, which is totally not true. But I think, you know, my son's a spine surgeon. My daughter's an attorney. And so I think I got law in my head and medicine, which okay. is both not true. So anyway, yeah. I went back and took pictures. I had a case set up, Paul. Remember, I'm retired. I didn't have anything else to do. Mm-hmm. I was excited to go to court. Mm-hmm. The day finally comes. Katrina comes with me. I mean, I'm like Perry Mason. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm getting him. So uh, we're sitting there. And it's, man, if you if you haven't gone to traffic court, I have. you should do it sometimes because it is freaking yeah. Now that's a show. That's yeah. entertainment for yeah. you. Yeah, Cameron. Cameron had an accident, and we went to settle up. That that's a show in itself. I'll, I'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah, that's a show in itself. Right. You know, and if you can't afford to go to the movies, see if you can get into somebody's traffic court because yeah. you'll be entertained. Oh, anyway, man. so I got there, and he finally called my case. The judge said, "Drew Brown, the officer has not shown up." And I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait. There's some things I need to say." He said. Drew Brown, I'm dismissing the case. I said, but wait a minute. He said, Drew Brown, if I were you, I wouldn't say another word. Yeah, right. Don't and then it hit me. <laughs> but up. I'm telling you, I was so frustrated. I couldn't Shut be up. Perry Mason. Right. And I would have beat him. I know this. I had it all down. I'm so, uh, like I won, but there was no joy in it. So that's my little popo uh, story for Atlanta. You know, you, you and this is the, my favorite thing. You talk about the Atlanta airport. Atlanta airport, it's a great airport. It's improved a lot. Okay. Uh, I had a nice. Is it the busiest? Of- you know, it's not the busiest airport in the world. We flew out of the busiest airport in the world in Memphis. FedEx At made night, Memphis time, International yes. Airport the busiest airport in the world. For a period of time, yes. For between the hours of 11 and Four or something. Right, but I mean, just numbers. Right, boom, just boom, numbers. Boom, 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 boom. Airplanes are coming every right. second, you know, a few seconds, like an interval landing would... on an aircraft carrier. Boom, 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 boom. Oh yeah, every minute on the minute. Yeah, but anyway, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to jump on on the airport police because I heard people talk about them even on uh, on news radios. You know, why? You know, why are they so? I guess the biggest thing was when they they, they body slammed grandma one time. Uh, this was years ago. You probably you might have heard about it. Uh, what I guess someone was, was uh, picking somebody up or whatever, and this elderly woman was something, and they wanted her to move quicker or something. She she said something to the police, and the police picked her up and body slammed her on the concrete. That's what? a fact. I, that's a fact. Fired him. He got his job back. 
The city owns it. <laughs> you know, there, city, there's I, I think, your problem right there. Yeah, I mean, there's your problem right there. She was like in her, he's like 80 years old or something like that. Body slammed if she survived. I, to me, I, they'd be naming the airport after me. That'd be part of the story. Oh, heck yeah. That'd be the minimum. Oh, I heard, I heard a comedian say, I'm looking for cops to come beat me. <laughs> he's got bills to pay. <laughs> got, he, said, he said he heard one person, Rodney King, got $10,000 for every hit. He said, I need to get some hits. Yeah, yeah, I've been hit uh, before and, for free. You know, but, yeah. but I guess the, my, 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 my funniest airport story, and this is a true one, there was one time when, when the family, minus me, was going on a trip to uh, somewhere in the Bahamas. Um, a wife, daughter, her sister, and son, everybody's little. They got tons of stuff, and they've got a flight. It's on American, going to Miami, and it leaves, like, it leaves at 6 a.m. That's the departure flight. This is summer day. So I get up there, get them there. I run a little bit late. And I'm trying to get there like an hour before, hour and 10 minutes. So instead of getting there like right at 5, it's probably, you know, maybe 5.05. I pull up. Uh-huh. There's not a car. There's not a car there. There's not a car there. I pull up right there in the front and unloading all this junk and they've got here. And they're going in and I'm... Looking one at a time, one at a time. There's not a car, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Lights were flashing. You gotta move that car. You gotta move this car. Blah, 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 blah. You gotta move the car. There's nobody. There's nobody here. Just the two of us. There's nobody here. It's it's right now. It's it's five fifteen maybe. I said, I'm look. I'm just helping them move this stuff in here. Then I use some reverse psychology, and I said, uh, you know, he's 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 ramping up and getting real stupid by the half second. Getting real stupid. I said, look, these are just f- three women here. They they can't move all this stuff. But if you and I move it together, we can get it done in no time. Wow. He, he stood back and he looked at me. Like the way your dog may look at you sometimes. It looked at me. <laughs> for a second, he said, okay, but, 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 but move as quick as you can. And he jumps in. Let's, let's hurry up. Like it never happened. And he's gone. It's just me and my, my, my creativity. I, and I oh, he up, didn't help you. No, no, no. He left because that involved him. That's not the way the, that's not the, way the, the scene in the movie is supposed to go. <laughs> and it, to, it totally, it totally threw him. It totally threw him. And he flew away. Literally flew away. You would never think it happened. I, it was, it was, it was, I, that was years ago. And I still laugh at it. That was about 15 years that's ago. That's very smart. You know, if you use critical thinking, you can outsmart most people. And if you're nice and respectful, it's really hard to be an a-hole to you. This is what happened to me. I was driving from Memphis to New Orleans, taking the family down there on Christmas Day. And I was speeding. Now, because of all my speaking um, in Memphis, um, I was a Shelby County Sheriff. You know, um, I had a badge. I was a staff. I got a staff badge. Yeah. Is that, that's anything, not, that's but, not legal. A friend of mine got that one. He was drinking buddies with a sheriff somewhere. He'd whip out this badge every once in a while. He called it the deputy dog badge. It got him out of a lot of oh, stuff. Oh, I had. He scared oh, people. I, had, I, had, I got <laughs> out of a lot of stuff. Except this time. Okay. Except this time. I'm driving from Memphis to New Orleans. I was speeding. The cop pulls me over. And I have a radar detector in the car. Okay? Okay. So he pulls me over. He says, nah, 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 nah. and I said, Hey, officer, how you doing? Um, I showed him my badge, you know, how's things going, everything okay out here? He says, what are you showing me that for? I said, you know, it's, I'm just one of us. And 
He said, but you have a radar detector. If you have a badge, why are you breaking the law with the radar detector? Take the badge, put it back in your pocket, and here's the ticket. You know when you're wrong and you have nothing to say? You know what the best thing to do is? Mm-mm. Say nothing. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, one, time, one time I was in Memphis and I was coming home from work or whatever, and I was driving, driving, too, driving too fast. I just wanted to get home after a trip. And a uh, police officer pulls me over. He says, "Ah, you're going a little fast." So I don't have a badge, but I got—I was a, like an honorary deputy sheriff from whatever. And I had this thing in my wallet, and I pull it out and I showed it to him. And he said, "That guy—he retired. He retired like about <laughs> ten. Years, <laughs> he retired ten years ago." And the guy—he laughed so much. He said, "Just go." He, he just broke into laughter. Yeah, that's funny as heck because my badge now. That if I show in Memphis, uh-huh. this guy hadn't been sheriff in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. All right, Paul. Good section on Pope Pout. We're coming up to our 11 Facts and Life session. And today is a real good one. Number four, have purpose. To me, a person who has purpose cannot be stopped. Booker T. Washington went to college in 1865 when they were hanging black people in this country. He had a purpose to learn. So when kids tell me they can't afford to go to college, I don't want to hear it. It's just an excuse. You know, you have doctors, you have pilots, you have great people coming out of the worst schools in this country because they were motivated to learn. And you have bums who come out of the finest institutions in this country because they were not motivated to learn. I believe everybody is a LeBron James, Paul. I swear, everybody has a certain talent. And if you go to school and you go to college and you you explore and you travel like we were talking about, you may find that talent. And once you do, it's not work anymore. We got paid a lot of money to fly all over the world, stay in Paris. Remember when you, I, and Keith went to Paris for a weekend, three black men in a triple seven multi-million dollar jet? Went to Paris for a weekend. Got a big picture of it. Correct. Because of purpose. I had a purpose in my life. And the purpose was to make enough money where I wouldn't wind up like my parents. Mm -hmm. To make enough money with my college education. And, oh, you know, my dad trained Ali. And I saw something very sad, Paul. In the end, the champ stopped fighting a lot. And daddy was still waiting on that damn phone. Waiting on those phone calls, you know, for the next fight and the next fight. And as he got older, the phone calls stopped coming. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't good because daddy didn't prepare. Because when the champ was out of boxing for three years, everybody else went and got other fighters except daddy. He stayed with the champ. But anyway, as he got older, the income stopped and it affected me real bad, both my mom and dad. And I promised myself I just wouldn't end up like that. And I didn't. And it was through their making me get an education. It was through them telling me I could do anything in the world, anything I wanted to. I knew I could be anything I wanted because of what my parents and grandparents instilled in me. So having purpose, man, if you could just find that purpose, Paul, if you could just find that purpose, like Cameron, you know, out of all the things, he likes guns. He's motivated by it. And when you're motivated by something, you can't be stopped. That's my little two cents on purpose. Fact number four, the 11 facts in life. What do you think, Paul? I think, yeah, you got to have a purpose. You got to you, you need to want to do something. And something we should consider doing every once in a while is 
Get uncomfortable. Try something a little bit different. Push yourself. Push yourself a little bit more. You talk about going to college. Yeah, sometimes going to college is tough. It costs way too much. That's another discussion. But there are other ways you can learn things. There are a lot of ways to, you know, you, you, things on YouTube, some of it's bunk, some of it's very, very good. You can look at a lifetime of things just on YouTube for free if you're willing to sit, but sit down and take the time. The biggest thing, you've got to commit to the time. Commit to the time. Find a public library. Most of that stuff is free. You can go in there. Homeless people go in there. Everybody can go in there. There's a lot of information. It ha- you just have to get out of the mindset of just playing games all the time. A lot of the game, I'm not. it's easy for me to say I'm not a gamer, but your average gamer, the, the heart of that envelope, average gamer is the big money people. They're in their, they're in their 40s, 30 and the 40s. They've been doing that a lot. If that's your thing, that's right. okay, that's fine. If that's an, uh, an activity, but that can't be your whole life. You can't say, okay, I'm just going to play games and do nothing else and be, uh, be an adult. You can't, can't really live like that. I was just saying, remember I said everybody's a LeBron James? Everybody has something special in them. It might not be basketball. And like, you know, I love LeBron, but he's not a role model. And the only reason he's not a role model is because you can go hang with LeBron for the next five years and you're not going to play like him. You're a role model, Paul, because a kid could hang by you and you could teach him how to fly. Mm -hmm. You have to be attainable in order to be a role model. Mm -hmm. But all of us have that special skill. But here's the point. LeBron's special skill, he worked at. Michael Jordan, he worked at. Tiger Woods, he worked at. Who's the swimmer? Michael, Michael Phelps. Phelps. Listen to this. Eight years, every day in the pool, he never missed one day. Not one day. And he won one of those medals by this much. So think of how much that other guy was working. So when kids yeah. say, yeah, I'm going to play in the NBA. Okay, are you shooting 500 shots a day? That's what I need to know. Are you running two miles in the morning? Are you eating properly? Because don't tell me you want to be an NBA player and you're eating Cheetos and, and drinking soda all day. Okay. Mm-hmm. They don't go together. So not only does everybody have a special skill, Paul, it was hard as hell to learn how to fly. I might have loved it. It was hard as hell, but we worked at it. And so that's the big key. Not being good, because you know, coming from New York, how many good ball players came out of New York? That didn't do anything but sit on the corner and drink beer and tell you like 10 years ago, he hit 44 for Lincoln High. Like Lenny. nobody cares. Nobody cares. I don't care. Correct. Nobody cares. Uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is the art of thought, the art of communication, the art of action. And how many times have I seen it in the street? The art of thought. Oh, man, I think I'm going to do this. Art of communication. Man, I'm going to North Carolina, dog. I'm going to be hitting jumpers from North Carolina. And then the art of action, but you don't go to math class. Mm-hmm. You flunked out of school. So there's a big one. Having purpose. Whew, that's a big one for me because I truly believe when you have purpose, you can't be stopped. I have a very special wingman. And he was my wingman. It was my daddy. My mother also, but my daddy was my wingman. But my daddy was a wingman to the greatest fighter but one of the greatest fighters, he was a wingman to both of them, Sugar Ray Robinson and Muhammad Ali. And I remember daddy saying, who could beat Muhammad Ali? Daddy told Sports Illustrated, Cassius Clay would kick his ass. But he was an inspiration of both of them. So here's a wingman story. They were going to fight Sonny Liston for the championship. I think the champ was 20, 21 years old. 
And that's when daddy came up with float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Ah, rumble, young man, rumble. Ah, the champ was motivated and they were psyched up. And when they got to the fight, the fight started. And all of a sudden, Sonny's listening shoulder kind of went out and they put Ben Gay on it. And that Ben Gay got in the champ's eyes. I think it was the seventh round. I'm not sure what round it was. But anyway, it got in his eyes. And he was blinded. And he came back to the corner. Listen, Paul. He came back to the corner and said, cut them off. I'm done. I'm blind. I can't see. Now, boxing is different than basketball. There's no timeouts. You can't, you know, take a rest, injury timeout. When a fighter comes to your corner and tells you to cut them gloves off, I quit because I can't see. You should cut the gloves off. Mm -hmm. But instead, my daddy told the champ. He showed him a picture of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because the champ was big into the black Muslims back then. And then he showed him a picture of his wife, Sanji. And then he told him, you told all kids you were going to be the champion of the world. I'm sorry. You can't quit because you're not fighting for yourself no more. You're fighting for all those people. You said that you were going to beat this man. And by that time, the bell rang, daddy pushed him out, and history was made. Mm. And that is a wingman. That's quite a story. I kind of remember something about his eyes and not being able to see. Without a Bundini, there'd be no Ali. And so he's my wingman of the day. Paul, thanks again. Great show. I'll tell you, thank you, everybody, so much for your time. It's the most valuable commodity we have. It's the most valuable commodity we have. And if you want to take away something, today's um, fact in life was have purpose. Go and explore. You can do anything you want. And if you work at it, you'll be successful. And the key to being successful is having something you do that you get paid for that you don't really think is work, but it's fun. Anything you want to say, Paul? No, I would just say uh, I give the advice my mother would give to me all the time. Just straighten up and fly right. We'll end it on that. See you guys later. Thanks for your time again. Good night.